The following audio is from White River Christian Church. More information about White River is available on the WRCC mobile app or at wrcc.org. Well, good morning. It is good to be with you and to see you this morning and to be seen. Uh, We're going to continue this series called This Is Why We Sing. If you have not been with us, um, we are covering this series because we want to look at Psalms and understand why it is we do what we just did. Why do we gather together and sing uh, songs of worship to God? And so uh, we are going to continue that conversation this morning. But before we do, let me pray for us. Hopefully it'll slow my heart down a little bit because it's going about three times as fast as my mouth right now. All right, let me pray. Uh, Jesus, thank you. Thanks that we get the chance to come and to worship you. Thanks that that we have the opportunity that it is just to give you praise, uh, to take our focus for a moment off of us and put it on to you. I pray that you would speak to us this morning through your word. I pray that you would open our hearts to hear what you have to say. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would draw out of us the songs that you want to use in order to praise our Heavenly Father. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity it is to worship you. I pray these things in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. My first ministry job was in the year 2006. Um, Sorry if that makes you feel old in here. Uh, In 2006, I remember going into my first ever like adult job staff meeting, okay? At the time, I worked for a church that was about 5,000. We had a student staff of five plus two two two-year interns. I was one of those two-year interns. What that means is that I was paid about $20,000 a year, not about, exactly. Uh, I was given a place to live, which was with a family in the student ministry, um, and I was worked like a dog, okay? And I absolutely loved it. I loved every minute of it. And so I can remember the first time I was going to this all-staff meeting, we had a staff of about 30. We had a conference table that was the biggest conference table I'd ever laid my eyes on as I walked into this room, And as the student staff goes to sit down, we were early to the meeting, thank goodness, uh, and I sat down next to the rest of the student staff. And my boss looks over at me like I had four eyes, and I'm like, what's wrong? You know, uh, did I do something wrong? Like, I'm trying to figure out what what am I missing? And uh, he said, hey, listen, there's not enough uh, room at the table for the staff, and so definitely not for a two-year intern, so, you know, this isn't where you sit. And, and, and I'm like, oh, where did I sit, you know? And the other tier, tier intern, his name was Justin, and we became like brothers, and this was like the starting moment because he walked up to me and leaned over and whispered in my ear and goes, know your place, man, come with me, you know? And I'm like, know my place? What are you talking about? So I get up and I follow him. We go into this other room where this is like a waiting room to one of the other offices, and we grab two really uncomfortable chairs, and we drag them into the conference room, and we sit them against the back wall right next to the sink, uh, and the cabinets. And we sit down and we observe the entire rest of the meeting from there, right? And, and as everybody started to flood in, at the, at the head of the table was our senior pastor. His name was Sandy. At the other end was our associate. His name was Rocky. I know there's a lot of jokes there, okay? Um, and in between was the rest of our staff. And somewhere out beyond, you know, those are the two interns right there, right? Like in the very back corner of this room. And I had to figure out and know what my place was when I walked in that room. It was not at the table. Okay, I was a two-year intern. And it was not that important at that time. And I had to sit in the back of the room and I didn't speak unless I was spoken to. I didn't distract from the meeting. I stayed focused. Um, and the whole point was that I had to figure out how to know my place. 
just as Justin whispered in my ear. And I'm like, this is all new to me. First job, right? Trying to figure this out. And the truth is that this morning, as we look at God's words, I, I want to tell you the exact same thing. Know your place. Now that might seem a little harsh this morning, right? Know your place. What do you mean? When it comes to my faith? Yeah. Know your place. What does that mean? What, 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 what are you saying to me, Lance? Well, I want you to know where you fall in creation. And this morning, as we look at this psalm, we're going to figure out real quick where we fall in creation. Not only in creation, but in the span of all that exists. You see, we, we need to know that in order for us to understand why it is that we sing. If you're anything like me, um, you might not know your place. There's oftentimes I don't know my place. <laughs> I had somebody ask me a couple weeks ago, do you just say everything that comes to your mind? Uh-huh. Why? <laughs> is that not what you're supposed to do? You know? Like, like, no, not all the time. Like, oh, okay. Like, it's just easier that way. If I tell you what I'm thinking, then you know, and you don't have to wonder, and it's all good, right? But with it, the problem is, when it comes to my faith and knowing my place is, I don't know if you can, I won't speak for, on your behalf, but I'm a little bit of a control freak. Right? I, at the end of the day, I don't know if I really want to know my place because in order for me to know my place, that's gonna include a word called trust. I don't know if I really wanna do that. I don't trust God in my circumstance right now. Oh, I often had something happen last night that I really don't wanna trust God. I just wanna take it in into my own hands and control it. That's not what I'm called to do. If I know my place, that's not my place. You see, the problem is, is that, that we often skip over trust because we want to manipulate, control, get the outcome that we want, have what happens to us be the thing that we think is the best. And the problem is, is that leads us to a place where we're self-sufficient. We have no, no need for God any longer. As it's great, I'll talk to him at the end of the day once I handle everything else I'm gonna do for the day. Instead of, you know, you gotta practice what you preach. And so I, I got to the church earlier this morning and I'm like getting ready to get out because I'm going 200 miles an hour. And Holy Spirit said, hey, you, you, you're gonna say this from stage today. You might wanna just sit right here. Talk to the Lord before you get out and step towards that building. And so I did, I sat there and told him all the things I wanted to have happen today. <laughs> Control freak, you know? Like, it'd be great if this happened today, and if you don't mind, make sure that happens too. Well, this is not how this is supposed to be going. I said, Lord, whatever you want to have happen today, I, this is what we have going on, and, and I just ask that you would guide and lead. I stepped out of the car and I came on over to this building. Here's what I want you to understand. Here's what I want you to hear this morning. Here's what I want you to know and to live out. This is gonna be tough for you that are like me, that are control freaks. God is infinite. We are not. God is infinite. We are not. If you're not sure about infinite and that word like me, I'm like, ah, that's a big one. Uh, it's an adjective, limitless or endless in space, extent, or size, impossible to measure or calculate, 
the infinite mercy of God is how that would be defined. That's infinite. And, and here's the thing, you and I are not those things. You and I are the opposite of those things. We are finite. We have an end. We have limits. And, and as human beings, that is part of our place and understanding that. And so if you have your journals with you, open up with me to Psalm 8. It's one of the beginning ones we read quite a while ago, probably, if you're following along with us. But I wanna read this to you because it, it, it speaks to, David speaks to the hierarchy I'm talking about, this knowing where we belong and that which exists. I'll read it and then we'll walk kind of line by line through it. This is Psalm 8. To the choir master according to the Gilleth, a Psalm of David. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is a man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands and you have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. David starts with ascribing to God two names, uh, O Lord, our Lord. It's two words in the original language. They're just translated to the same English word and they're written differently. You notice the difference? The first one is all caps. All capital letters, when spelled in the word Lord, means the word Yahweh. It was, it was a name that the people of the original language wouldn't even actually speak. They wouldn't even write it as Yahweh because they thought it was so holy that they, they couldn't do so. So they take the, the vowels out, and sometimes you would see that written in instead of Yahweh because they, they just didn't feel worthy enough to actually ascribe that to God and to speak it out into existence. And then it says, our Lord, with a capital L. And this one stands for the original word Adonai, which means a master or Lord. And so he's not just describing, hey, this is how holy you are, but not only are you this holy, but you're also this master, this Lord, this person who is to guide my life. David starts out with praise. He starts out singing uh, to God, who he is and what he is to do for us in our lives. He says, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I'll come back to that. Then he says, you have, you have set your glory above the heavens. Mm. Think about that for a second. You have set your glory above the heavens. That he is outside of what you and I know of as creation. He's not here. He's not limited. Again, this is this whole infinite versus finite. You and I are stuck to a timeline. Whether we want to acknowledge or not, we are driven by these things. Right? That thing just, it just keeps ticking all day long. 
Sometimes I'm like, slow down. It doesn't. Sometimes I'm like, speed up. It doesn't. Right? It's, it literally binds us. If you don't believe that, I'll preach for two hours and we'll see what your stomach says in a little bit, okay? It binds us. Because if you're not fed by 1230, there's gonna be somebody's gonna have to pay. Right? Let's be honest. That's not God. God is outside of those things. He is above those things. If we were gonna put it on a hierarchy chart, he would be at the top. I went ahead and made one for us. Uh, It's pretty simple. It's nothing too fancy. Okay, maybe that's just me. I do look pretty good today though, but uh, (laughs) thanks honey for dressing me. I appreciate that, right? He's above us. We'll get to the the chart in a second, okay? and it reminds me, this, this right here reminds me of one of my favorite passages in all the scriptures, Ephesians 3.20, that, that now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. Listen, you can't even, your mind is so finite, you can't even ask for what God could do. Right? You couldn't even imagine what he's able and capable of doing. What should that do for you and I in our prayer lives? It should take them from here to here. Oh, I, I guess I could pray about that, but there's just no, there's no way. He's outside of your mind. He's outside of your finite abilities to understand. And some, for some of us, that scares us. I'll be quite honest with you. It still scares me. When I sit down and I think real hard about this and the fact that God is, it, it it just kind of panics me a little bit. And it should. That's the God whom we serve. That's the God whom is in control. That's the one who is infinite. That's whose hands your life is in. Your loved one who doesn't know Jesus is in. Your loved one who is sick is in. That is the God who is caring for us. He's outside of our space and time. You have set your glory above the heavens. You see, David understood there's a hierarchy and he ain't at the top of it. God is. And then he says this, out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. Uh, And this past week, uh, you've heard this before, right? You've heard out of the mouth of babies. Uh, You hear that as an expression, as kind of a, a joke. This is where it comes from. And what, what it really means, what, we're, what David's getting at is, listen, out of the mouth of a baby, if God chose to, he could still any enemy on this earth. Because that's how powerful he is. Why, why is that so shocking to us? Because we're like, babies can't do anything for themselves. <laughs> we were flying back from vacation yesterday and there was this woman who was uh, by herself with her daughter um, and a baby. Baby, baby, little baby, right? And this carrier. And I watched her and I so wanted to help her because she's just struggling to like get things out of the bag because this baby cannot support itself whatsoever. And the bag's down there and she's trying to reach down to get things and hold the baby and keep the baby where it's supposed to be. And, you know, and it, it can't control it. So his head's just, you know, doing that, you know, like, you know, he just, I'm like, the baby's on a roller coaster, you know, and I just wanted to help. Out of something like that, God could choose by his power to still any enemy on this earth. You're gonna look at me and say, well, that doesn't make sense. 
Yeah, that's right. Finite mind. That's right. Know your place. You don't get that because you're not infinite. Because you're not outside of and above the heavens. Because you're not God, Lance. You're not. So no, that's not gonna make sense to you. Then he goes on and he says this, verse three. When I look at your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him. I worked at a camp in, in Wisconsin. It's three weeks, Wisconsin is way up there. Basically, pretty much Canada, you know, after you skip over part of Michigan, that's not really part of Michigan. Anyways, um, I worked at this camp uh, for the summer and my favorite part of the camp was in between sessions. And it's not because I didn't wanna be with like the students that I was actually there to work with. It wasn't because I didn't love what I was doing. I loved what I was doing. But in between the sessions, I didn't have anything to do on the weekend. I didn't have any responsible over 14 seventh grade boys. You know, like that's chaos. (laughs) It's so much fun though. Um, And on those weekends, I would go out on the dock on this lake and I'd just sit back and I'd stare up at the side because up there, there's no lights to block what you can see in the sky. And on a clear night, in fact, one clear night in two hour time span, I saw 27 shooting stars and 13 satellites. Satellites. You, know, it, you can tell they're satellites because they're the ones that move real slow, you know, like shooting stars, they're, they're rockets, right? You know how small I felt in that moment Every time I was laying there, God, you're you're controlling all of this. And here I am, just a speck on a dock in the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin. David says, "When when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, I read a commentary that said, have you ever seen a kid do finger paint? It's not like they're using all of themselves. They usually use one finger, you know, and they're just like painting things. They're not using the whole hand. They're not using their whole strength. This is God using his fingers to set the moon and the stars in place. What is man that you're mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. God is infinite. We are not. He is the one who is infinite. He's the one who controls and sets these things in the heavens. And then David says, what is man that you're mindful of him? And then he says this, verse five, I want you to underline if you have a pen or grab one out of the pew, underline yet, because it's so important, yet. Here's all of this, right? Your glory is above the heavens. You you could calm and stop an enemy through a baby's mouth and then look at the stars, the moon and all that's up there that's just being hung up there and sustained and kept. Yet, you have made man a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. That is such a powerful passage. I, when, you, when I read it, and I read it this on the eighth day uh, of August, read, I, I read so fast through that I didn't even catch it. Listen, go back to our chart. Can you throw that chart up there again? Right, God, and then you have the angels, and then, in fact, I should have, now that I'm thinking about, even shortened that line between the angels and us because we're just a little bit lower than the heavenly beings. 
We're just a little bit lower. And then catch this, because the second part of verse five is so important for us to understand. And you crowned him with glory and honor. Where else do you see the word glory in Psalm 8? We're gonna have to go all the way back up to verse one. You have set your glory above the heavens. His glory that is above the heavens, that's outside of our realm. What has he chose to do? He crowned you and I with it. He gave you and I a little piece of that. You have that right now. And yet when when you pass from this life to the next, you're gonna have it fully. We're the only ones who have that in all of creation. Scripture tells us the angels look in and they long to understand the relationship you and I have with God. The angels do. Why? Because they don't get that. Thomas Aquinas calls it this, a mediating position. I'm gonna have to go back to my notes because I don't remember this definition. A mediating position. Man is placed midway between the angels who are above him and the beasts who are below him. The angels have spirit, but no bodies. The beasts have body, but no spirit. While man has both body and spirit. God put us there. He gave you and I the glory, not the beast. Gave you and I bodies, not the angels. He gave us a position of high honor and we've got to know our place. You were created to reflect that glory. You were created to show him honor. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. God is infinite, we are not, and we have to know our place. Then six says this, you have given him dominion over the works of your hands and you put all things under his feet. And he goes on to talk about, uh, and he kind of reiterates what we learn in, in Genesis Chapter one, verse 26 says this, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Uh, They will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, and all the wild animals of the earth, and all the small animals that scurry along the ground. You see, God not only gave us part in his glory, that's outside of this space and time, above the heavens, but he also, as he oversees and has dominion over it all and controls it all, he gave us part of that. You also have part of the dominion over the things on this earth that have been created. Listen, you you know your place because it's a special one. It's one of massive honor and glory and dominion. He's put you there for a reason and for a purpose. And he understands and knows all of that. I read this this past week from another commentator. That David's starting place, his starting point is God. We will never understand human beings unless we see them as God's creatures and recognize them in their special responsibility to the creator. You see, when I originally wrote this message, I told you this, my wife always wants to see my messages. A part of it is because she doesn't trust me that I won't tell a story that, you know, about her. Part of it is she's smarter than I am, okay? Um, it's true. <laughs> so I originally sent it to her and I said, 
And my, my main point that I wanted you to understand and walk away was that we are finite, God is infinite. And she said, honey, you're starting the wrong place. Like, no, I'm not. She said, yes, you are. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. You need to start with God. I'm like, well, that's a good idea, but, you know. And then I went and read the commentator that said the same thing my wife did. And I'm like, ah, dang it. <laughs> you know, like, she's right. Where are we called to start? God is infinite. You see, if we start here, we're gonna get sideways real quick. Because I'm finite. I'm controlled by my emotions. I'm controlled by my stomach. I'm controlled by my desires. God's not controlled by those things. He's infinite. You and I are finite. God is outside our space and time. And so as I, as I looked at that this past week, the psalm led me to a question for us. And I think we have to ask ourselves this because whether you knew it or not, you sang it right before I got up here. The question is this, will we surrender to an infinite God or continue in our self-sufficiency that is finite? I had to answer that question this past week. Am I going to surrender to an infinite God who is outside of space and time, above the heavens, who has put me in this special place of honor and glory and dominion? Or am I gonna trust that I know more than he does? That in my finite mind who can't wrap it around a baby taking down an enemy through its mouth, it can't even hold its head up, am I gonna think I know better than God? I think you know the answer, but the ball's in your court. You gotta answer it for yourself. I answered it this past week for myself. I had to answer it again when I woke up this morning. I'll answer it again tomorrow or when the next circumstance hits my life that I don't understand, that I wanna control, that I wanna manage and manipulate so that it comes out, turns out the way I want it to. I'm gonna have to answer that question. Will I surrender to an infinite God whom I trust knows better than I do what's good for me. Philip sang a song right before this that I asked him to sing. And he sang it uh, just with a guitar and a little bit of drums and piano. And uh, the, the title for this message is, is that song you don't understand. Because you see, I've read that Psalm, Psalm 8 on the 8th day of August, and I didn't understand it. I've sang songs before sitting out where you are sitting because I sit there too and I didn't quite understand them. This is one of them. So will I is the name of the song and there's a line in there and, and, and I didn't understand it when I remember singing it for the first time. I can see your heart in everything you've done. Every part designed in a work of art called love. If you gladly chose surrender, remember we, we sang that? If God gladly chose surrender. Jesus gladly chose surrender, then so will I. Will you surrender to an infinite God? Then this line, I can see your heart a billion different ways. And I remember singing that and thinking, and I didn't even sing the rest of the song. If I were to continue singing, I probably would have picked up what it was, but I was just so eight billion different. What's eight billion? Why, why do you say eight billion? Why would you write that in a song? What's eight billion? And I went home and I looked up the lyrics like I often do. And I started to read the lyrics and I realized this song was written in 2020. 
as of 2020, the world's population was 7.753 billion people. I see your heart, God, in a billion different ways. Every precious one, a child you died to save. If you gave your life to love them, so will I. God in his infinite wisdom gave you and I. In his infinite glory, he gave you and I a savior, his son. God, in his infinite glory, crowned you and I with glory so that we could have a special place, so that we could know where we belong. We're not infinite, but we're given a piece of it. We're given access to it. We're given a reflection of it. God, in his infinite dominion, chose to give you a piece of that dominion so that you could be in the mediating place to oversee creation with him. God, and in his infiniteness is the God who is our God, whom we have access to. God is infinite. We are not. The question is, will you surrender? Will you surrender to an infinite God every single day? I know that's a big ask. This isn't like, hey, try this for this week or try this for five days. Every day, will you get up and surrender to an infinite God who loves you, cares for you, who sacrificed for you, and who will come back for you? And second, what we're gonna do is we're gonna stand and we're gonna sing that song with a full band. And the lights aren't gonna be on on, on Philip and, and the musicians. They're gonna be on the video, on the video. And we're gonna sing and you can stay seated and sing and just take it in. You don't even have to sing. I don't know if I'll be able to bring myself to sing. We'll see. Or you can stand and sing. But as we do this, I want you to be contemplating and listening to the words that you're actually singing. If you chose surrender, so will I. If you chose to love 7.753 billion people, so will I. That's what it looks like to live a life of surrender to an infinite God. And I wanna make sure you're singing what you actually mean. And so if you can't sing it today, don't sing it, just listen. But if you can, sing it. And sing it with all the honor and glory that he deserves. The Psalm starts, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. We're gonna sing how majestic, we're gonna praise for how majestic he is. Let me pray for us. God, thank you. I come before you and just thank you that you are above the heavens, that right now you are sustaining everything in this room. That all that we know in its infiniteness or finiteness comes from you. You are the origin. And so as we look to you this morning, as we give you praise, help us to know our place. It might be second from the bottom on that chart, but it is a mediating place of glory, honor, and dominion because you chose us in your infinite knowledge and wisdom. 
We thank you for that this morning. And we ask, God, that you would be praised as we use our mouths to give you worship this morning. This is why we sing. We love you, Jesus. We pray these things in your precious name. Amen.